You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. And thank you for wearing Cardinal Red this morning. Um, I, I didn't wear red initially, and I had to text my wife and say, Honey, I, I'm not dressed appropriately for church this morning. I love the, the, the altar table. It's theologically incorrect, but, uh, but, but we'll, go, we'll go with it. I really appreciate it. And uh, the baton is Spencer's and you will be blessed by him. But the ball bat is mine. (laughs) Well, it's been a joy to serve as your pastor. It's been one of the greatest honors of my life. And you deserve much more words of appreciation for me this morning, but emotionally, all I can get out, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And I love you. A greater privilege has been to be Susan's and is Susan's husband. When I uh, started out in ministry, I didn't understand that before you talk about your family in a sermon, you're supposed to check in with them first. (laughs) I got in trouble different times for that. Uh, One time I was talking about a refrigerator and how that there were things growing in our refrigerator. how things were multicolored in our refrigerator. And Susan helped me to understand that was more a reflection on her than it was me. So I I checked. I checked in with her this morning (laughs) before I say what I'm going to say next. Uh, When I met this beautiful woman, I was doing the Lord's business. I was standing up at Platwoods Church. I was standing alongside Bill O'Quinn and she walked up to me and she said, honey, I mean, she didn't call me honey then. (laughs) Well, she wasn't quite that forward. She said, "Uh, could you help me find this singles room? And so I I did, I, I didn't have time. And by the time I got back to the sanctuary, I mean, Bill Quinn was a stickler. You had to start on time. I, I ran up here to call him at the front pew. And Bill turned to me and said, if you gave everyone the attention you give every pretty woman around here, we'd really be doing something. <laughs> so I introduced her about six, well, I don't know how long it was later to that congregation. And I said, I had two requirements for a wife. She had to love the Lord. And she had to ring my chimes. And uh, Susan is a godly woman. And I could not have done this without you. Thank you. 
and she still rings my chimes. Um, the greater privilege than being a pastor is to be Susan's husband, to be a dad to uh, Daniel and Jonathan and Alexandra. When I had the auspicious uh, privilege of being a district superintendent, my little girl, Alexandra, said, my daddy is a Super Nintendo. I didn't check with you first on that one, but I didn't think you could. But to be Jason's father-in-law, to be Oren and Elisa's papa is the greatest privilege. But the greatest privilege of all is serving and knowing Jesus. You know, when you first start out as a Christian or a disciple, it's more about what you believe. And what you believe is important. It serves as a foundation for more of what's to come. But what has become more important to me is not what I believe, but what I know. That I've experienced it. I don't just believe in the creed, and thank you, choir. I've experienced it. I've experienced the power of God. I've experienced what it means to follow Jesus. And that is what I continue to do. The greatest privilege is knowing Jesus, getting close to Jesus, following him faithfully. And that is what I commend to you today as I preach the gospel one more time in this place. Now, before we go to the gospel of Matthew, the 14th chapter, I need to tell you what's been going on in the story. Jesus has worn slick. He's just been stricken with some terrible news that his cousin, the one who had baptized him, John, has been beheaded in prison. This, this hits Jesus hard. And Jesus wants to get away immediately, but he can't because the people just keep dogging him. And so he heals People, and then he feeds the 5,000, and then this is what happens next. Immediate, uh, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, 
He was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there's so many things that we could focus on this morning from this story. We could talk about how that Jesus comes to us in the middle of the storm. I don't know what you were doing at five o'clock this morning, but there was a big thunderclap over my house and I heard it. But Jesus' presence, we don't always recognize it, but when you're going through a storm, he is there. They thought he was a ghost. They couldn't quite make him out. But I hope you believe that in the midst of the storms that you go through in life, Jesus comes to you. This is also a message that we could focus on how that when we are grief-stricken and we are in despair, that Jesus goes off to seek solitude with God. Tomorrow, I'm going to be heading out on an eight-day spiritual life retreat. I'm on a vacation with God. And I'm going to be quiet under spiritual direction for one hour a day, quiet the rest of the time. And I share that with you not because I'm a great spiritual person, but because I know the importance of seeking out God and solitude in pivotal times in our life. So we could talk about that. We could talk about the importance of worship and, and how wonderful it was to just to be caught up a while ago in, in worshiping God. But what I want to do today is just focus a little while with you on the most pivotal, dramatic point in the story. When Jesus is there on the water and he's already self-identified himself. He's told them, it is me. I am here. Take courage. Don't be afraid. And Peter, bless his heart, stands up. Peter stands out from the crowd. Peter steps out of the boat. Peter walks on water. Now something in Peter as he connects with Jesus compels him to do that. Because sometimes you just got to get out of the boat. 45 years ago, almost to the day, I was serving the night shift as a night custodian at St. Mercy, St. Joseph Mercy Hospital in Centerville, Iowa. And at 2.30 in the morning, I was reading from the book. I was reading from the scripture. And it was as if God highlighted these words from scripture. I, the least of all saints, have made a minister. I, the least of all saints, have made a minister. And I tried to ignore that call. My heart was beating out of my chest. I got to, up to buff the floors, but I could not ignore it. And I knelt down on a side dressing room, got on my knees and said, God, I am yours. And at the breakfast table the next morning, 
I announced to my mother, I'm going to be a pastor. And immediately I did something very stupid. I burned my bridges behind me. I changed majors from business administration to religion. I changed schools from the old Northeast Missouri State, which is now Truman State, to Central Methodist. Because if you're going to get a religion major, it's totally worthless unless you go into religious work. But I did that, and I've never regretted it. But my story and that incident of getting out of the boat is not so much about me becoming a pastor. That's secondary. What's primary is that I was following Jesus. I had decided that I was all in. And so there comes a time and a place for you, for everyone who knows Jesus, who connects with Jesus, who catches an eye with Jesus. You find yourself in that moment, in that time where you got to get out of the boat. I think Peter got out of the boat not to do a stunt, not to show off. I think he just wanted to be of Jesus. I think that's the whole point of the story. He just wanted to get near to where Jesus was. It was there was a storm. Jesus was giving him all this kind of love. He was giving us courage. He was saying, don't be afraid. He is saying, I am here. And where Jesus was, Peter had to go. And in, in our relationship with God, there comes times and places and moments when everything else, just you just kind of zero out of everything else. And you forget everything around you. And you step out and you go where he wants you to go. Now, I believe God calls groupings of people. I, I know God calls nations. God calls churches, congregations. God calls families. It's not always about just the individual call. But there are times and places where there's just this personal call. And you got to get out of the boat. Now, Peter does great, doesn't he? For a while, and then he takes his eyes off of Jesus and puts it on the waves. And this is the point in the message where so many times preachers come down really hard and critical and say, Ah, oh, Peter, why did you have to take your eyes off of Jesus? Oh, Peter, why did you have to show off? The disciples must have been thinking, Peter, why don't you just come back to the boat with the rest of us and where it's safe? Can you relate? I mean, there's times in my life when I stepped out of the boat and I was doing what I believe God is wanting me to do. And sometimes I sank. Sometimes I failed. But I would rather fail following Jesus, doing what I believe Jesus wanted me to do, than to succeed in life in whatever success means or what, however the culture defines success if it has nothing to do with the purpose of God that God intends for me. And ultimately, Peter doesn't fail. Because what happens next? Peter has the wisdom in his sinking. He cries out to God. I just love this. Immediately, Peter says, Lord, save me. Peter does something that I sometimes have failed to do. 
I mess up, I fall, I falter, and I think, well, I can do this on my own. (laughs) I can figure this out. But Peter immediately says, Lord, save me. And what does Jesus do? You know, in oral communication, I learned a long time ago that about 7% of, of communication are the actual words that we say. But 27% is more the tone in which things are said. And 67% is the body language. And Peter calls out, Lord, save me. What's the body language of Jesus? He's leaning forward. He's leaning in. His hands are reaching out. He's grabbing hold. Faith is not so much about us grabbing hold of God. Faith is letting God grab hold of us and hold us and and really trust God and believe that he's got us. That's the heart and the essence of faith. And we don't have an audio of Jesus saying those words. We don't know exactly the tone in which he says it. But Peter, Peter must have heard something like this. As Jesus is reaching out with his love and his rescuing power. Ah, oh, Peter, you had a little faith. Why did you not trust me? Why did you doubt? But what happens next is Jesus reaches up and pulls Peter out. And to me, one of the most beautiful scenes in all of Scripture is Peter and Jesus walking together on the water. And they walk back to the boat. And the Scripture says they worshiped him. And they exclaimed, you really are the Son of God. Today, uh, once again, I, I sense Jesus calling me personally to get out of the boat. I feel just as strongly today as I did 45 years ago that I am called to, to leave this place and on to the next place. A little over a year ago, it was so comical in this vision, I saw this big, puffy, Casper-like ghost of a creature that was Jesus standing in the foyer of Schweitzer Church, and I was 20 paces away, and he just kind of smiled at me, and we caught eyes with each other, and he was giving me a wink and a nod, and he was leading me out of the west doors. And in just a few moments, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk out with Susan and my family, and we're going to follow Jesus. And we don't know exactly what's going to happen or what's next for us. Uh, We don't know where we're going to worship, and if I knew where we were going to worship, I wouldn't tell you. (laughs) Because you're going to be worshiping here. I know that the next few months, we're going to be blowing some of that money that you gave us (laughs) on trips. And and then we're going to settle in, but we're not going to settle down. We're not going to settle too much. 
I'm going to be doing spiritual direction. And we'll be doing what God wants us to do. And people have, have retired have told me you don't always know in retirement what you're going to do because when you think you're going to do this, you wind up doing that. I understand that. But my witness to you today is that I will be following Jesus. And that I believe, I believe today more strongly than I have ever believed before. And I am looking forward to the future. And we will be rooting for you and praying for you from a distance. Now, where are you in all this? Where are you right now in your story, in your life? Where are you in the boat? How is Jesus connecting with you? What does the next step look like for you? I love the way the story ends where it says that they worshiped him. Happy are the people who hear the joyful call of worship. And so as we go into a final time of worship together, uh, let's just blow out all the stops. <laughs> and let's worship Jesus. As we say with the disciples, yeah, you really are. You really are the son of God. Will you stand with me? I want to say a, a few more words for you. God loves you. I love you. You, you love God. You, you love each other. You love the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And until we meet again, May God hold you in the palm of his hands.